Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite comic books and graphic novels, and on episodes like this, we talk to the people that make them. I am your host, Dallas, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Anne, and none other than Eisner Award-winning writer, Tom King. How's it going, Tom? What a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on again. You guys are the best. I just found out pre-game that you're both superheroes in your regular life. So now I feel intimidated by this whole thing, but I'm going to do my best to hold you. <sighs> That's what we do. Dallas, we can cut that, right? We don't we secret identities and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. Thank you, sir. Sure. <laughs> you know, you think he'd be better at keeping the secret identity. Yeah, no, I think reps, but... it's been a while since the CIA Bendis, But, you know. <laughs> yeah, dude, Bendis just blabs, man. He's known. <laughs> Gives away all the secrets. Ben is just walks through a building. He's like, you wouldn't believe who's a superhuman here. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's all over. What's the first so, thing he did with Daredevil? Reveal his secret identity. First thing with Superman, reveal his secret identity. All, just, oh, man, it all comes together. Now I guess. Listen, he you cut his job things. in half. They said there are two storylines here, Clark and Superman. He said, not anymore. <laughs> that Streamline is efficient storytelling. It does save time. Not as much time as photo booth, but time. <laughs> so... We are getting together to talk today about Wonder Woman. I'm sure we'll talk about some other things, some of your other great comics that are coming out, but you were kind enough to send us over a review copy of your first and second Wonder Woman issues. We were blown away. A lot of people are talking about this book. So my first question to you, how does it feel to be back on a full-blown extended series with DC Comics? You've been off in limited series land for a while. Uh, it feels nervous. I'm I'm nerve wracked by it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, since the end of Batman, which is like 2018, 19, so it was a while back. I have not been sort of playing in the main universe. I've written things that are in continuity, like um, Killing Time or Gotham Year One, but they were always like out of time. You know, they weren't like playing with the current thing. So yeah, this is my first time. Big book in continuity. You know, like talking with everybody about crossover events and, you know, everything that matters, matters and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, very nervous. Trying to do it again, trying to do it right. At least, you know, I've I've tripped over a lot of stones when I was doing Batman. I'm trying not to trip over those same stones again. It's, it's so I'm trying to I'm trying to grow and learn you know, how to how to do it. It's mm-hmm. it's more complicated because I, I very much know how to do a limited series. And you think with 85 issues on Batman, I would know how to do an extended series. But. But I, that was such a rush and such because it was bi-weekly that I, I, I was mm-hmm. still learning. So I'm still trying to learn how to do this. But if you're learning, you're doing it right, I hope. <laughs> That's awesome. Compared to like a limited series, uh, which, you know, you obviously know it's like, well, I got eight, eight issues. I have a start, middle, end. How far out do you have to plan like an actual ongoing? Like how many arcs do you, are you thinking ahead at any given time? I mean, to be perfectly honest, it always depends because you never know the sales because mm-hmm. with a... With a series, you know, they, they, they'll guarantee you 12, you know, Human Target, you'll get 12 issues and you'll have 12 issues and you'll be done in 12 issues uh, or, or Supergirl 8 issues. or and But with, with an ongoing series, I mean, Wonder Woman number one could flop and I'm off by issue three. I mean, I started Omega Man. That was supposed to be an a ongoing series and it was canceled by issue three. Uh, now, now, Wonder Woman probably won't get canceled, but I, I there's something in me that says, like, don't plan too far ahead because you could be kicked off. So I have hopes for the future, but I'm, I fear making plans. Yeah. I'd like to be on it as long as I can be on it, as long as I can sort of keep going. You know, I, it would be, you know, I, if, if, 
it would be awesome to do, you know, another 85 Wonder Womans and then another 85 Supermans and just have that be sort of my legacy where they put my grave on. He wrote too many comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfectly balanced. I love that Trinity idea. <laughs> How does that affect your creative process? Because I thought about this. I recently read Starman for the first time and I was reading things in like issue 10 that didn't get paid off until issue 70. And I was like, they used to have a lot of runway to just like do stuff you know how do you feel like you as a creative get to do that dance of i have to make sure that this is good if it ends at six but also i want to make sure it's not just a series of six issues stacked on top of each other and it's a longer thing feels like such a complicated dance i think the trick is never to say to the reader hey i'm doing something here it's going to be boring for a little while and in 20 issues you're going to love it because uh, I don't have the attention span for that. I don't expect my audience to have attention span for that. And if you're paying five, four to five dollars for a comic book, which takes you ten minutes, and I'm like, this is just a setup for a payoff in sixty issues, uh, I'm fucking you over. And that's a terrible way to write. So uh, the the trick is to make each issue, especially with Wonder Woman, like an event issue, something big and mega happens here, and and then to to build that bigger and bigger with each with each arc. And hopefully have all those arcs lead to something like like back the Batman room was kind of built around the Batcat relationship. This will kind of be built around um, uh, her her relationship with the Sovereign character and her relationship to her daughter Trinity. That'll sort of be the, the whole big sort of theme. So everything will point back to those sort of that Trinity of things: Sovereign, her, and Trinity. And then within that, to make each arc an event, each issue an event. Th- that's the focus. It's yeah, and that's probably one of the most exciting things about this run so far is just getting to. Um, we got that um, sneak pre sneak peek with Wonder Woman eight hundred. Um, we got to meet Trinity for the first time. How did her creation happen? How did how did that those gears start spinning in your mind? That was the first thing that that, that occurred to me. I, I, I stole it from my 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 partner in crime, Mitch Garretts, who I who I work with on a lot of books. Uh, we were going to do a Mister Miracle. Um, omnibus or heart or over what's the absolute mm-hmm. we've been begging him to do a mr miracle absolute um it just just because it would just be nice to be on that like shelf next to dark knight returns um <laughs> and and as part of that a way to, to sort of bribe them we're like we'll do another little mr miracle short story you know to make it cool and mitch came with the idea that they we do a story where damien and john are babysitting young um uh, jack uh, uh jacob sorry um, he's named after Jack Kirby. I was like, but his name's not Jack. Oh, so Jacob is obviously Jack Kirby's original name. Uh, young Jacob. So, so that was an awesome idea. But, and when I was thinking about it, I was like, that seems off because it's Batman, Superman, babysitting Mr. Miracle. It should be Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. That's sort of the Trinity I always have in my mind of like the great DC. And that's how I sort of thought of, we have, you know, a, two sons, but no daughter. Uh, Wonder Woman doesn't have sort of that, that entity, that awesome person. And so, that's had started. It's when they said, when they started talking about Wonder Woman, I was like, what can I do that's big and interesting with Wonder Woman that hasn't been done before? And I was like, oh, I can just steal from Grant Morrison. Always a good idea. <laughs> and, 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 and then, you know, with both, with both John and Grant and, you know, John, um, obviously could pay by, by Jurgens and, and Lee Weeks. Uh, 
we didn't see their childhood. We didn't see their birth. We didn't see them as babies. You know, uh, uh, Damien came to us when he was about 10 and then was aged up to 13. You know, John mm-hmm. came to us when he was 12 and then was very quickly aged up to 17. We missed a lot of their childhood. So the idea of what we haven't seen before is um, a pregnancy, a birth, a, a, a a baby, a, a, an actual child growing up with a superhero. And since all that hadn't been explored, and I thought it would be big. And then my mind, it literally went, went to like, like the idea that the, the, the biggest, um, the, the biggest, you know, people watching television ever was the finale of MASH. I think the second biggest though, is I Love Lucy when she has the baby. And I was like, this is like, we can make, this is a big Wonder Woman moment that we haven't seen before, a superhero having a child. Um, so, so all of that mixed up and, I, and, and that's where I sort of started with Trinity. And that, that that became became it. Do you feel like there is a brighter spotlight on you writing Wonder Woman than there was even Batman? Because I think Wonder Woman is a character, and I I know you like the podcast I Fanboy. They said I did. a couple weeks ago that sometimes they feel like Wonder Woman gets crushed under the expectation of what she's supposed to be in other in a way that other characters don't. Do you feel what? like that is true? Yes, I do. I mean, no, Batman is hard to write for certain reasons, um, which, which Wonder Woman's easier to write. Batman is hard to write because you'll never write the, be- the best Batman story. Uh, no matter what you do, you're not going to write. Ba- you're not going to write Year One. You're not going to write Dark Knight Returns. Um, you're probably not going to write um, the, the the Alan Moore one, the Joker one, Ki- Killing Joke. Oh my God, my brain is not working. I'm so old. When you are my age, you will understand. That my brain is no longer functioning. It's just I gave up long ago. I, I half my thoughts don't come to my mouth. They're just sitting there and they're just like, oh, what the fuck do you um, <laughs> So yeah, that's the problem with Batman. Is is, is uh, every four issues of Batman I wrote, I was missing Frank Miller. <laughs> you know, it's like he did he did it in four issues, year one. Um, wow. And 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 so 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 you're always sort of in the shadow of the Batman. One might say. Uh, Wonder Woman, fortunately, is a, is a little easier in that way, and that there's been less definitive Wonder Woman stories, less things that you. But she's a much harder character to write because everyone expects her so much out of her. Just just like they said, everyone. She's um, uh, she's a, she's a character who on a pedestal to a lot of people, and characters on a pedestal are usually not that interesting. Um, and my job is never to bring her down from the pedestal, but tell you why the pedestal is interesting and why that is actually cool. Uh, and so, yeah, that that's she, she's a much more difficult character than, than Batman and Superman to write, both in terms of the audience's reaction. Every, people have so many opinions. Um, I mean, the other day I, I was on the internet, I, I said something in a podcast where I was trying to convince people to come to the book. And I was like, I want to make her cool like Punisher and Wolverine were when I was a kid. And what I meant by that was, Punisher Wolverine were so popular when I was a kid. You put Punisher Wolverine on a cover, everyone bought it. I didn't mean to say that I wanted to make Wonder Woman like Punisher. Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> like, she's not at all that. My God. <laughs> I was just trying to say, like, in the 90s, that was the energy those characters had. They were the kick-ass characters, and everybody wanted to buy that book. I want to create a book that's like that for Wonder Woman, where she's utterly kick-ass and everybody wants to buy it. That's mm-hmm. all. But, but people are just... Wonder Woman, because Wonder Woman's been handled so poorly so many times and has been handled so wonderfully so many times, people, it's, they, they inspect it very closely. They look at it with, you know, they're dissecting every sort of thing. And it, it, is, it is tough to be under that. But mm-hmm. that's my job. I get literally paid to do that. So what am I going to not do it? It's okay. We get it a little bit. Yeah. We, we've gotten some Wonder Woman hate because we love Wonder Woman Earth 1. 
We did an episode that was very positive about Wonder Woman Earth One. People did not like that at all. So no. we get a little bit of a little bit of what you feel. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, I was on Batman for eighty five issues. People have opinions on Batman, so and and I, geez, I did tears in Crisis where I crushed poor Wally, and people had a lot of. So I've 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 taken the heat before. I know how to to, to do that. Um, there, there's no way to create anything good without taking risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I tried to please everybody, you'd get the most boring, generic, terrible Wonder Woman that no one would read. So I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I do. This is not a book where I'm looking to make people upset. Like I, you know, I, I think sometimes I make books that are meant to sort of be not jarring, but like to, to test sort of who you know who you are and, and who this character is. Um, you know, like, like you, if you're a huge fan of um, of Human Target, you read that. It's a super cool book, but he dies. I'm not spoiling anything in the beginning of the book. And and so, and so if you're a super fan, you're super mad at me because I killed him. I don't want super fans of Wonder Woman to be mad at me. I want this book to be like why she is awesome mm-hmm. and for you to appreciate. This is a book, you know, more modeled on uh, Tom Taylor's Nightwing, where it's just like this is why Nightwing is cool. This is why he's awesome. Uh, I'm not trying to be antagonistic with this book in any way. It's, uh, it's not punk rock. It's summer a blockbuster. I like that definition. I love that, actually. And a lot of what you're talking about, you see a lot of those themes pop up in issue two, which, by the way, I think is a fantastic standalone issue, even without everything else that came before. You could just pick that issue up on its own. It stands perfectly well, I think. It was it was fantastic to read. That's um, I'm terrible issue two, so that's music to my ear. It, it was it was it took my breath away several times. Um, it's I think one of the things I want to want to ask is. You get to spend the whole issue with Diana in um, issue two. And how did, when you were trying to find your place with Wonder Woman, find that like voice for her, what, what stories were you thinking of? What iterations of the character do you go to when you think Diana in your head? I read a lot of Wonder Woman. I go, I, to me, I go right back to sort of George Perez and, and that sort of classic run mm-hmm. in, ter- in terms of defining her origin stories and, and, and all of that. I really, my favorite Wonder Woman is probably Gail's. I like Gail's kick-ass sort of barbarian Wonder Woman. I think that it, I think she had the voice better than anyone else. I do mix a little Gal Gadot in there. My Wonder Woman has an accent. Um, she's not her English is not a hundred percent perfect. Uh, she's she's I, I just I don't know why, but when I hear her, I've I have always heard her with just, you know just sort of a little Greek accent. Um, so it's a combination of all those things. And of course, you know I you know I make everything personal, so I throw in my daughter, I throw a little bit of my wife in. Um, and, and, and those, those are, are both in there. And then probably the final ingredient is that, that thing I was talking about before where, uh, I, I, I put a little bit of like Arnold Schwarzenegger from the predator and, you know, like, like, just like, and, um, uh, you, you know, just like a kick-ass 1980s action hero. I don't know that that's. I, I put just a little bit of, of, of that stuff in there. Someone, someone who, who doesn't take the gruff. Who, who, she can be that more than Superman can be that, and even more than Batman can be that. So, so all those sort of factors. You know, like a Sigourney Weaver. I didn't, oh, yeah. You know I'm talking about. That's what I like. I didn't realize hear. how I much that, that that sword moment in issue two was just for me, like, come on, do it. Like, that, I will read <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that way now. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. I we were really big fans of Gail's work on Wonder Woman. I think that run a little bit like what I was saying earlier. That run feels like it's willing to just take Wonder Woman somewhere interesting instead of trying to just 
reestablish the baseline. Like, I swear she's cool, right? She just shows us that she's cool. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I think your run does a really great job of that in those two these first two issues we've read, where we establish the conflict, which I'd love to circle back to talk a little bit about. And then Wonder Woman is introduced as just this force of nature. And then we're reminded in issue two in sort of that bottle episode that Anne was talking about that she's always been this cool. And I just, I feel like that one, two punch of this is a really big threat you should be scared of, but Wonder Woman is a really big force that doesn't need to be scared of this in the same way you do really makes the run start out strong. So I guess, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I was looking for the thing that made her different than Batman and Superman, which is hard because if you describe it, Wonder Woman, you, you end up doing a lot of the same adjectives with Superman. You know, she's hopeful. She's empathetic. Uh, she's kind, uh, she kicks ass, she never quits. Like, those are just, I I think all those characteristics are awesome and they are part of her, but they're also part of Superman and and on some, except for the hopeful part, they're part of Batman. Although I think (laughs) probably if you just eventually, you'd eventually get to hopeful if you describe Batman, he just hides it better under his cowl. Um, And where I I ended up was rebellious, which I think that was the difference between her and Superman and Batman is that she's, um, that on some on some level they they enforce a status quo. Batman enforces the law of Gotham. You know, he, talk, he punishes criminals, and Superman uh, uh, Superman tries to sort of return us, you know, t- to normalcy for lack of a better world. Where you know he's trying to he's trying to stop bad bad guys. Um, whereas Wonder Woman is is not that she rebels against the system. That's where she's that. That's what I'm saying when she's like a Wolverine. She's 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 the system is against her. So that's where I wanted to put her in this is because I, I don't know. That's the mood I'm I, I've been in lately is uh, someone who thinks, you know, the system's kind of shitty and we need to rebel against it sometimes. Say, I think that takes us perfectly into exploring a little bit of the, the plot here. Cause just from issue one, I think it becomes very obvious very quickly for people who've been paying attention, what, what you're going for here and the messages that you're trying to, to get across. And I, Personally, I think it's incredible to see because I've been waiting for someone to say anything about this for a while. But I wanted to ask just like, how did how did you decide that this was the perfect story to tell with Wonder Woman? How did you decide like this is the character that is going to be the best for us at this moment? I, um, I, I was I would again, I, I started from that sort of rebellious point of view and, and mm-hmm. I, I I immediately saw her like fighting tanks like Hulk like Stanley Hulk, you know, that's what I had in my head, which, you know, obviously we see that in issue two. Um, and so that, that was sort of the first image. I was like, how, how do I get there? How, what happened? And, and, you know, then, you know, there's been so many crappy things that have gone on in the last six years in our country. And like, what if some of that started to focus in on her and some of that frustration that you get every day with how the government treats you and treats people, uh, even, you know, even, um, despite there's good people in the government trying to do the opposite, it still seems that there are forces sort of, sort of boiling who, who are cannot be put down. Um, and what if that sort of that horror was, was focused in on, on Amazon's on wonder woman. And it's not hard to do because there's a lot of misogyny in all the horror that's going on today. And, um, and, and so it was, it was, it was easy to see how that would extend to event, how, how misogyny would eventually extend um, to being anti Amazon and how eventually they would cross the line that sort of wonder woman couldn't let them cross. So, so, so that, that's sort of where it came from. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah, and I, I, I liked the idea that, that that what she fights, you know, she has the lasso of truth, and, and that's like her ultimate thing. Is like if the truth comes out, if we all are, are honest about what happens, um, then we can create something beautiful. And then you know, and then the, she's fighting someone who has the lasso of lies, which is the opposite of that. It's like no, they're, they're, the lie is that I'm better than you. The lie is that you are unequal. The lie is that you're lesser than. Um, and 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 that conflict interested me. And I know it's a little black. It's 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 a little black and white. And I try to make it less black and white. But but again, uh, I, there's a lot of black and white out there these days. And I I kind of just want the white to you know I want the light to to be the darkness every once in a while. I mean, it feels refreshing for someone to not both sides an issue like that. You know what I mean? Like I I like that it was black and white. I like that it was like yeah, there's there's some bullshit going on. And if these characters are real, these characters that mean so much to us, they especially Wonder Woman would say, this is all very stupid. What's going on right now is very stupid and I'm not going to agree with it. And it, it just feels like you said, like a, a way of making the pedestal seem real and cool. Like I looked up to Wonder Woman in these issues. Yeah. I try to, I'm trying to give her this new catchphrase. I don't know if it'll work, but, but it's, it's just, where she just says no thank you. Cause I think sometimes it's just the most radical thing in the world to just say, I'm not going along with this. Like, I understand you have, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, it's Taylor Swift saying I'm opting out of this narrative. It, it, it's, it's the idea that, that and it's, it's, you know, she's polite, she's precise, no thank you. Like, I'm just, no, I'm not being part of that. You're pushing the world in one way and I'm not going that way. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's who I think she is. She's the person who just, you know, like injustice happens and happens and happens. And finally it, it hits the rock that is Wonder Woman and she will not be moved. And she says, no, thank you. I think it's I think it's really special that you bring in a character like Steve Trevor for issue two right for that moment because he is such an important figure in her past and just having that that standoff was very 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 interesting to read. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see what else happens with Steve, but a lot of people I'm sure want to know like what else do you have planned for Wonder Woman's extended um, family and her cast of characters in this run. We've got big plans. I mean, this is, like I said, it's a big epic, whatever, 8,500 issue thing. So, I mean, this is going to be a huge ongoing war um, that crosses over to other places in the DC universe and balances back again. And um, part of a war is having all the soldiers on both sides. So, yeah, we're going to see a lot of the villains. Um, I think we're going to, I can get it. We're going to see Giganta, um, Psycho Pirate, Angle Man. <laughs> um Cersei, Grail, uh, they're, they're, like, all those, all of them are coming up. Oh, and uh, um, uh, yeah, what's the one that's bringing one? The Silver Swan, sorry, Silver Swan. <laughs> so, uh, so we, we have huge plans for those, for all those. Uh, and in, in addition, you, you will see sort of the, the three Wonder Girls, Cassie, uh, Yara, and Donna. They will also play, all play huge roles. Yeah, so all. All of all of every issue, everything is centered on Wonder Woman. I never want to be sort of distracted by that. That was kind of my mission statement from the beginning. Like, I don't want this. I want a, a huge cast. I want it to go everywhere. But I want everything to be focused on why Diana is great, why she is essential. So that will always be the focus. And there will be other books that handle some of this stuff. But all of those characters will play big roles that I just mentioned. Yeah, they're they're coming, and they're coming fairly soon. You'll see them in the first six issues. We're, we're very far ahead. Daniel is Daniel Sampour is the artist on this who is killing it. Um, one of the reasons I signed on board because, you know, when they said Wonder Woman, some, sometimes DC doesn't treat Wonder Woman. I mean, I love DC. They're they've taken care of me for ten years. They're wonderful. But mm-hmm. sometimes Wonder Woman's not sort of central to their plans. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you can be sort of the forgotten hero, I think. But when they were like, we're putting Daniel on this book, I was like, oh, Daniel is there. You know, that's their modern day George Perez. He's the, he's he's their their big comic artist right now. And so they're like, we, we, we want this to be a huge event. So as soon as they said that, I was like, okay, DC is taking this super seriously and wants to do what I want to do, which is thrust Wonder Woman to the center of this universe. Um, so, so, so he, and he's going fast and he's going well. I, mean, I, th- I think, knock on wood, um, of the first 12 issues, you're going to get at least 10 Daniel issues. I mean, it's going to be very consistent in terms of art. Love, love to hear that. Daniel is awesome. Yeah. And the number three is, so we're so far ahead. So three is done, four is done. He's working on five now. So um, I should, I, uh, and, and they're, they're all, and they're, each of them is different. You know, like, I, you know, number one is the setup. Number two is the, I feel like I'm, is, is a super action issue. Number mm-hmm. three is a, a big reveal issue. Four is a very sweet issue I, um, where we sort of talk about what makes the heart of Wonder Woman. And then five is a family, you know, like each issue is a different sort of, take on why wonder woman's awesome that's as we go forward i'm ex- oh. i'm very excited for that because you know how much i loved your your supergirl run and every single issue of that felt like it had a different flavor too and you you saying that wonder woman is kind of the same as that gives me um goosebumps i'm very very excited to see what else is next supergirl is very much the model for this book except that it's not you know there's no good ending to it really quickly but yeah the, the, like <laughs> this is not modeled after you know, even my Batman or it was a deconstruction of Batman or, uh, or, or, or sad Supergirl was modeled that this is why Supergirl is awesome or Superman up in the sky. This is why Superman is awesome. That mm-hmm. That's the model for me. That's when I'm, when I'm doing every issue, I'm like, how can I show why Wonder Woman is cool? Not why she is perfect or, mm-hmm. or, or ideal, but why she is awesome. Like that's different. The perfect is different than awesome. And then, so that's what I'm going for. Not the perfect, but for the awesome. So, one of my favorite parts about your books are your collaborators. I feel like you work with excellent artists. You can tell that you prioritize working with excellent artists. Um, what have you? What has come out of your collaboration with Daniel on this book that you haven't seen come out of prior collaborations with other amazing artists? <sighs> That's tough. Um, I mean, one. Th- and this is the stupidest thing to say, but speed. Daniel is fast. I work with the best artists in comics and, but they, they take their time and I love them. I love them to death. Uh, but, but uh, you know, when I was, you know, working on Batman, we could never do th- more than three or four issues with the same artists in a row. And then they disappear for a year, which was great. But that, that's, I mean, if you're working with a Tony Daniel, you can only, you know, there's only so many, um, but, but Daniel is, is fast and quick. So we're going to do so many art at such a great level. It, it really helps. He's also a fantastic storyteller and he takes this very, very seriously. His prediction of his portrayal of wonder woman is very particular. He wanted her to be beautiful, but muscular and tough and yes. strong. Like that was, that, that was where, that's where he was going for. He's, he's, he, I mean, he, he was like, no, you know, they, they, when they first color, he's like, no, not lipstick. We don't want lipstick on her. We, she, she, she's like, she's, she's, she's fucking in the ring. You know, she's ready to go. Um, and, and she's, she's still, you know, she's still, in, in, you know, an idealized human being, but she's idealized in a way that where she just, you know, know, she's cut. She's cool. I don't know how, to, how, to, how to, the right words for it. Um, and, and I, and I, and I try to pro- project that into everything. I mean, Daniel can do, you know, more with just a splash of Wonder Woman just to, to, to stop you and stop the reader than I would ever think possible, just in terms of his portrayal of how that character looks. Um, 
and he adds it to, and I also consult him, you know, I, what, what, like I was talking about the sweet issue of issue four, um, cause we were doing all this stuff, you know, which was sort of reactionary, you know, as you can see in the first few issues, there's a bad guy and Wonder Woman's reacting to him and, 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 and Daniel had a great idea. He's, he's like, we, we need to see Wonder Woman save somebody, um, you know, sort of, again, always steal from Grant Morrison when you, something we can't, you know, like the, the famous, you know, Grant Morrison, Man of Steel, when he, when he saves the, the woman who's committing suicide. And, um, and, and so that was Daniel's idea. And so, so we, I was like, yes, let's move in that direction. You're right? let, even though all this stuff is happening, even though like the world is coming at her, let, let's have Wonder Woman find some time to save someone that's not her reacting to a villain, but her proacting and helping someone. And that came right from Daniel. So he's also good with story stuff. That rules. It's, I'm not convinced that Daniel or Dan Mora are real with the amount of comics that they are able to produce at the rate they're able to produce them. Every time I see Dan Mora has taken on another issue, I was like, are we positive this is a real person? I I went to his table once at a con and he wasn't there. I think this might be a psyop. I've never <laughs> met I've never met Dan Moore in person. Uh, the closest I've come is I was talking to Mark Wade once and I mentioned how much I liked him and Mark's like, don't get near him. <laughs> so like that's <laughs> But see, um, it gets deeper. You've never met him either. I don't think any of us have I've ever met never, Dan Mora. No, I've never met Dan Mora. I've, I, I, but I've met Daniel. He exists. I've met him in person. He's very tall, very nice young man. Um, I'm, and... I'm now just picturing Dan Mora as like the rat under the under the hat. Just, yeah, exactly. Attitude the whole thing. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, as long as he keeps drawing the way he is, he can be whatever he wants to be. He could be a little cockroach with a pencil. <laughs> Brilliant. But Daniel is is absolutely. I mean, he's absolutely killing. I mean, it 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 feels just it's 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 in that sort of you know. There's different kinds of styles I work with. You know, Mitch is obviously my, one of my favorite artists to work with, and that's very grounded. Um, you know, very much. You know, even though it's kind of mixed, Alex Toth, but like in the you know Lee Weeks kind of. This is very much in the Jim Lee style. You know that that sort of Jim Lee, Alex Raymond. Like this is big superhero comics. So. And I, that's what Wonder Woman needs. That's the energy. We, 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 need, we need her to be, to be cool in that way that Jim Lee can make people cool. And that's what mm-hmm. Daniel's important to do. He's great at conveying gravitas. Like, just how he sets up his shots. But then also, I mean, like the lighting of these books. The whole, the whole artistic team behind this is doing a great job of making it feel like Wonder Woman is hitting a home run underneath the stadium lights every panel and it it's wonderful yeah i work with oh, tommy tommy mori is on is on colors and i've worked with him we did batman catwoman together we did a, some of the batman issues we've worked together for years and years and he's one of the most brilliant colorists that's ever come around he, he, he when I, when artists work with him they're just like flabbergasted like i can't believe you just did that art yeah so so we're we're incredibly lucky to have him and hey if i'm doing everyone and clayton cows is on letters and clayton and i have worked together on every single project since vision which was many many years ago and, and he's my brother in all things, and I'm lucky. He's perfect. Aren't yours the only DC books that he does? Am I wrong thinking that? I'm not sure. I know, I I'm know. always seeing him on Marvel and then also Tom King books. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's cool. I like his letters. <laughs> I, I've always requ- requested him since since the very beginning of, of everything. and, and Because I, I think he's the only one who would tolerate me. We have such a system now. You know, He does my indie books, too. <laughs> Um, we, we, we just roll together. He probably d- hates me with every fiber of his being for every time I've said, no, no, I wanted to say, 
uh, yellow, not pink, you know, like some random, <laughs> or uh, I wanted to say small, not little, that seems more poetic, you know, it's like, fuck you, Tom, that's actually my time. Um, <laughs> but, but it's good that only one letter hates me instead of every, all of them, that's what I feel. <laughs> That's a great policy to have. Like, yeah, I'm just going to dig deeper policy. with this one guy. Yeah, just, just keep it. I, I, you know, I work with John Workman, the, the fa- very famous letter. He did, you know, Thor mm-hmm. with Walt Simonson. Um, and we did we did a short story together, and I just thought, oh, these are the most beautiful letters. And then so I was like, I, when I did Batman number one, they said, who do you want to bring on letters? Like, bring on John Workman. He's the best. And he did two issues with me. He's like, Tom, I never again. You've changed too much stuff in your second draft. <laughs> he's like, I love you. Because he's hand doing. He's, you know, he's one of the yeah. last guys that hand does it. And he's like, I'm not going to hand. So I was like, okay, I need a, guy, a digital guy. So yeah, poor John Workman. I apologize, John. It's it's no one's fault but my own. I get the drafts back. And I was like, oh, I wrote that terribly. I need to rewrite it. That does happen to me every once in a while. Well, I mean, a little bit how the sausage gets made here, but what does your drafting process look like? I'm currently in the midst of my own drafting process, and I want to make sure I'm not an insane person. So I've been asking everybody, like, what <laughs> what does your drafting on Wonder Woman look like? Like, how much I, I, are you changing? I, how I are you restructuring? <laughs> Whatever he says does not disqualify that last thing. <laughs> Okay. Whatever. Also, crazy. You person. can still Perfect. be an insane person and have a great drafting process. Thank you. I Thank appreciate you. it. <laughs> uh, my draft, uh, in, t- in terms of like how I work or how I do letters or how I do w- w- which one I can do all. Um, I guess like big drafting process. Like when do you look at a scene and say like, oh, this actually isn't working, and then how do you go about making it work? I write Monday through Friday. I write an issue a week, pretty much forty-five weeks a year. Um, this is, you know, it, Hollywood stuff is different, so that kind of started to penetrate this. But since we're on strike, that's that's all stopped. Um, and generally, I write Monday through Thursday as the first draft, um, and I finish whatever I'm finishing that week. I finish Thursday night, so it has to be done no matter how late I work on Thursday. I tell my kids Thursday is for writing. It's like the one day they're not allowed to bother me. It's Thursday because that's like back to the wall. And then Friday is for editing. So then I read over, I take a night off or, to, you know, I sleep and then I just, I read over what I did. And then I, I turn that on. Um, I turn all my comic books in late Friday night after I've edited them. And sometimes what'll happen is Friday morning, I'll wake up and I'll read, I'll be like, Tom fucking nailed it first time. Good job. Well done me. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll read it and be like, you, you fucked me. Like I'm, I'm not going to have a Friday now. This is terrible. What were you doing these other four days? And then I have to go back and rewrite. Usually, my first instinct is right, so so I'm I'm not usually in that situation, but it it, it does happen um, fairly often. And then yeah, so then that gets turned in, that gets edited. If the editors have comments, I I, I fix them as they go, um, and then I leave it alone until it's drawn, and and I get a lettering draft in, and I I don't. A lot of people will correct their stuff before it goes to letters. I don't do that. Because I don't, I really don't understand my comic until the letters are on the page, and I can kind of see them all together. And then you sort of get the first, you get a first draft where your letters are on a page. Usually, it's black and white. And I go, I read that, and usually I, I write pretty far ahead. I'm pretty good at deadlines, so usually it's been like a year since I wrote the damn thing when I read it. Um, so it's like to me, it's reading a brand new comic book, and I have a big old, you know, normal size iPad, so it looks like a comic book. And and um, and I can say, oh, Tom, you wrote a bad comic, or Tom, you wrote a good. That's, that that works. And then I then I edit that, and I, I I give myself three passes to make it good, and 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 that's eventually how it gets. And with each pass, hopefully, less and less notes. 
I tend to find that I'm a better writer when I'm first doing it than when I'm correcting it. So I try to correct it not that much. I, I, I usually I, I, reg I regret a lot of the changes I make when I'm in letters sometimes. Interesting. Thank you. Okay. Well, we turn it back over to Anne. Thank you for humoring me. That was very interesting. No problem. That's my um, Gosh, I, I, I ran out of my list of questions. It's okay. We can talk about anything. We can talk about Penguin. Talk about Wonder Woman. We can talk about Danger Street. We can talk about fucking Columbo. I don't care. We can talk about uh, <laughs> sugar, any sorts of chemical components of sugar that you'd like to go into. Cool. I got to get back into big corn syrup Warm. here, Ann. <laughs> There's, it's not that interesting. How dare you say that as someone from Ohio? That feels like you're betraying oh, your state, saying corn's not that interesting. Hey, listen, we, yeah. I was talking about this the other day. I have like three points of Ohio pride, and that's OSU, Skyline Chili, and I forget what the third one is because it's probably not important. <laughs> Eating <laughs> Skyline <laughs> Chili at exactly. OSU. There we go. Nailed it. Um, are you so guess, are you an OSU graduate? I didn't know this about you. No, but like it's been like my family school for forever. It's like no one here graduated from OSU, but every everything we own is OSU. It's just that's just that's, how it goes. When you're in Ohio, you have one school, and that's OSU. I listen, I didn't graduate I, from OSU, but it feels like home. I've been informed that Utah is also a flyover state from everyone mm -hmm. I've met here in New York. So now I can speak as well as. A, a Midwesterner, apparently, from the Rocky Mountains. But the, there's nothing more flyover state than being really invested in a college you didn't go to. Like, <laughs> no one on any coast cares about any school but where they went. But anywhere in the middle, you just pick what everyone is best at football. And whether or not you went there, you're like, that's my school right there. That's mine. Even Ohio thinks this about Ohio. It's like we're we're like Ohio's cool things is Cincinnati has Columbus. We don't talk about Cleveland. I'm like every every one of those is in like a third of the state. There is two thirds of state to the east that no one ever talks about. There's there's just nothing there. I'm convinced it's a void. It's just Pennsylvania. It's I, I, I'm from I'm from LA and uh, we have no idea what's above San Francisco. We look on maps and we see there's a whole big chunk and we're just like I don't know. Who, who would have thought? Apparently <laughs> they grow almonds up there or something. <laughs> I, Utah is convenient enough to be built down a single highway in the middle, the entire way. And all the desert to the side is where they hide the aliens and the nuclear bombs. So, <laughs> I was just in Santa Fe last week with the nuclear bombs. <laughs> like, look at that. You can see the radiation from here. Oh, <laughs> oh uh, so... I have one more Wonder Woman question before switching mm -hmm. to talk about Penguin. My, my first job when I came to D.C. was I was working for the Justice Department in a radiation exposure compensation where we, we gave money to the people who had been exposed to radiation in Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico uh, in the 1950s. The Downwinders. We were the, we were the Downwinder program. And I, I managed that. So it, my job was to get on the phone with all these. I mean, this is the early 2000s. Um, uh, elderly men and women who are dying of cancer was such a nice way to did and, and you know try to get them some money. You <laughs> definitely talked our way to spend my twenties. You definitely talked to one of my grandpas for sure. He got some downwinder money. So oh <laughs> good, I might have done their claim. Oh great, that's good to hear. Yeah, there you go. He lived, so that was exciting. That's wonderful. So wonderful a, to hear. Yeah, silver lining. Um, I met I met my wife in the, in that justice department, so that's good. That's awesome. So you've talked about bringing in a lot of Wonder Woman's cast into your Wonder Woman book. 
the first issue introduced us to a new villain, the Sovereign. What went into the thought process of, okay, we're going to focus on lies. How did we get to secret monarch of America that is in charge of all those lies? I mean, it's a little bit stealing from Neil Gaiman, who did a King of America book in the Sandman, if you've read, if you've read that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a little bit stealing from, I, I'm, I'm a Washington DC. I lived here for 20 years. Um, oh, longer, but I lived here for 23 years. Uh, and so I want this to be Washington DC. Wonder Woman's one of our few Washington DC based characters. Sort of one of the things that appealed to me about, about her. Um, and so, so I live, you know, I left, I live three blocks from the Capitol. I was walking my dog during January 6th and saw the whole thing go down. So, so like all, all that, all that stuff is um, like constantly in my face and I wanted to talk about it a little bit. And, and so I liked the idea that sort of behind this democracy and all this, that there was secretly a King of America and that they would have been running things. Cause sometimes that's like an easier explanation um, than, than what we actually have. And so, yeah, it, it was the kernel of the idea was from the Neil Gaiman issue was, was kind of a, a, a sort of silly one thing. What would you what would it be like if you're king of America? And and then to be like, what if there were kings of America? What if there was a royal line as silly as the royal line of Britain? No offense. Um, <laughs> and and um, that, that, that went back. And, and what would that mean? What would that mean if, 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 if they were secretly running, you know, secretly running the government and, and how would they hide themselves? And, and so all that stuff sort of came spilling out of me. And, and, and I, I do like the idea of, of a young female rebel against a, a sort of mm-hmm. um, an elderly man clinging on to power. It, it, it does feel relevant to me in some ways. Yeah. I got to the end of that first issue and I swear to God, the voice from um, Spider-Man, the um, <laughs> Spider-Punk came into my head and just said, it's a metaphor for capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it was it was a great a great cliffhanger but that actually you thank you for reminding me about the sovereign because he has the lasso of lies and diana has the lasso of truth but we know that trinity has a third lasso so yes, how long is the lasso of death oh my it's God. the lasso of yeah. death okay yeah, that's yeah that's it that's an 801 she says it. it's not a spoiler or it's an eight, okay eight, whatever that was 800 got it i must have completely forgotten but i'm guessing we'll figure out what the deal with that is in a little while Yes. So we're going to do, uh, what, what hasn't been in, I don't know. I, I don't want to tease. I want to be, but yeah, tr- Trinity, obviously the story of wonder woman, if, if you're interested in sort of the Trinity angle of it mm-hmm. is Trinity has not been born when wonder woman number one happens. So, so the, the, the story of her for lack of a better word, creation, um, is the story of wonder woman sort of how she comes to being and, 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 and where she is and where she's going that's the story of the main wonder woman book we're, we're not going to have the trinity that you saw in 800 who's about 19 years old sort of come back the way john came back and play a role she, that's that's in the future mm-hmm. um that said we're gonna do some stuff and i'm not gonna say exactly how with the trinity of the future and with john and damien and um Lizzie and, and sort of show their dynamic. We're going to find a way to put that in the book, not not as part of the main story, but as part of something else to, to, to the side. So you will see more Trinity soon. And of course, she is part of the book because the whole thing is the sovereign telling her the story of how mm-hmm. she was created. So so the narration you're hearing throughout the entire book is is him having a conversation with Lizzie. So, so that's all sort of part of it. So yeah, that that will be revealed and and where those three lassos come from and how the sovereign lost his lasso had it ended up with Lizzie all that that's that's the that's the hundred page story that's the big epic we're going for. Awesome, and I just I, I had to say this I love her name Elizabeth Marston Prince it's fantastic a great callback. 
I, it, it was a wonderful coincidence. I, my, I, I named two of my nieces. Um, if, if, like I said, this is very much inspired by Superman up in the sky and Supergirl. And Superman up in the sky has 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 a little girl named Alice, who's one of my nieces. Um, and her sister's name is Ruthie, who then appears in um, Supergirl. And so <laughs> my other nieces were like, oh no, why, why aren't we in this thing? So I have, I have a niece and she's also my goddaughter, my oldest niece, um, and her name is Lizzie. And so I, I very much wanted to name a character Lizzie just so she would stop yelling at me. Uh, no, no, <laughs> she's, just, she's a wonderful little girl. She's an ice skater. Um, and so when I was looking for a name and then I saw that sort of, you know, one of the original writers of Wonder Woman, inspirations for Wonder Woman was, you know, um, uh, Elizabeth Marston. I was like, oh, this is so perfect. Yeah. So we can, we can, we can connect this both to the past and to the future. So, so it worked out wonderfully. I love that. I love that so much. That is pretty great. I do too. <laughs> so it's always good if you can put your goddaughter in a book, get some credit. Oh yeah. Now, then my, now, now my real daughter is pissed. How come she's not Claire? But that's a separate. <laughs> <laughs> you say, listen, you're getting line. <laughs> I have a long list of little girls to please in these books. Okay. Uh, my, but she does. My daughter is, she, she's has brown hair and wears a ponytail um, all, 24 hours a day. And uh, so, so, so I was very much like brown hair and a ponytail, please. And that's what Daniel put in there. So that's where that comes from. That is very fun. So which goddaughter did you base penguin off of? <laughs> for number one. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, yeah, no, it, it, that was definitely Kate Catherine. She's terrible. Uh, yeah, she's always hitting people with umbrellas in a very rude way. Um, <laughs> no, Penguin's based on nobody except except my worst instincts. My God, what a bizarre world where I'm writing Penguin and, and Wonder Woman. Is this a complete coincidence? But Wonder Woman might be the night the best person in the DC universe. I don't think she's maybe the nicest or the. the she probably is the kindest, most empathetic. Like she's doing the right thing. She cares about people the most. I, I think it's, it, I think you could say, I mean, Superman's right behind her. Like she's probably number one and Penguin has to be the worst. Like I know Joker's, Joker is terrible. Like I, I'm writing a serial killer Joker story right now with Mitch and it's, it's just the most awful thing in the world. The next issue, he stabs someone in, in the butt. It's very crazy. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I, I wrote this thing where he crawls into a porta potty and he just waits there for someone to take a shit, and then he just stabs him. That's Mitch gonna said he be in my ask. head now. I've never had to think about that, and you just put it there. Without Mitch Dare's art, that sounds like the most gremlin thing. But with his art, that's gonna be the most terrifying thing I've seen in my entire it is life. So terrifying! I got it from this old. I was reading like an old medieval thing, and it was like the way they assassinated the king was they hid in the potty and stabbed him. I was like, oh my god, Joker's gonna do that. So I um. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, anyways. So the Joker's pretty evil, but he's kind of chaotic evil. He doesn't really give a fuck. You know, he could either, he could save the world or he could kill it. He doesn't really care about anything at all. That's what makes Joker cool. Penguin is a horrible, horrible. Thought my dog is coming in to say hi. A horrible, horrible human being. Um, probably the worst per, worst person in terms of like just not giving a, a, a fuck about anyone but himself in the DC universe. And so, so I'm, I'm writing the worst person and the best right now. And it's, it's a very bizarre dichotomy of which week it is. And just to clarify, this Penguin book is in main continuity, yes? Main continuity, and it's bizarrely ongoing. I have to keep telling myself, pinching myself, that we could do 100 issues of Penguin if we get people to tune into it. Uh, I, I've, I've, lit, I've, I, 
I made the decision. I don't know if I made a decision, but I was like, I'm going to, I don't have the sort of bandwidth to promote Penguin and Wonder Woman. So I'm going to focus on Wonder Woman because I think Wonder Woman sort of, I mean, it's Wonder Woman. That's a, that's a top three book. Mm-hmm. We need the most, that needs to be the big main focus. And I've almost not, I mean, I love when I'm writing it and I love how it's coming out, but I, I kind of don't pay attention to it because it doesn't seem real to me. And all of a sudden it's coming out next week. And I was like, oh shit, I haven't told people how good this book is. I've been so focused on, because how I can't promote a thousand things at once. I had to, so, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, I, I, I forget that this is going to be like my life for many years writing this Penguin character. It seems very bizarre to me. Um, uh, but, but like Penguin himself, this is a book that's going to be underestimated and then it's going to be insane because it's, it's good. The artist is Raphael De La, De La Torre and it, the art is, it's beautiful. It's, mm-hmm. it's his first DC project. Uh, he's been at Marvel for a while and I, I couldn't be happier with how it looks. It's crazy. It's, um, I mean, the, the basic take is that we're doing, you know, uh, we're doing Sopranos Penguin. We're doing uh, Godfather Penguin. We're doing Goodfellas Penguin. This is this is not, you know, a, a cartoonish Penguin with you know big colorful umbrellas shooting things. This is, you know, seventies uh, crime movie Penguin um, who's doing some evil shit to win back Gotham. That, that, all right, that, that's where it is. So, Anne, I'm gonna pass over all Wonder Woman related talk and pushing people towards that i need 70s crime thriller penguin to last 100 issues so this is my <laughs> whole personality that. now we, we let's make that happen who's gonna buy penguin i have no idea I, but I hope you're out there <laughs> i need all of you gaba fools out there listening to this all you soprano heads i need you on penguin that yeah, sounds please. amazing yeah i mean the, the the thing about penguin that i think was what I discovered is, is is like, okay, Batman is, in my opinion, I'm one of those really stupid people who thinks that Batman could uh, uh, defeat Darkseid or defeat um, Galactus if he had a plan. I know that's stupid. I realize it. Uh, for the record, I think Squirrel Girl could do it too. I'm not ruling other people out. You. Yep. you. I knew that was my that was mine. Shade for my tweet. I got it. I deserved it. We took I it. I did. I, I read that tweet and I was like. I'm one of those people, but I'm not. I, I want to know. There's there's another category of us that just think both can do it. Uh, yeah. Then then you're in the good category. You're, you're fine. <laughs> you're Squirrel Girl is actually more imaginative because she does it through like her this like empathy thing where she defeats people. Like Batman would just find a way to like shove a knife in his eye or something. Um, but but so Batman is capable of doing that. Yet he's never mastered crime in Gotham City, and the person that's at the center of all crime is penguin. Like how much, how powerful and evil and disgusting does this guy have to be that he somehow existed under Batman's nose as the head crime boss in Gotham city and and Batman never sort of wrapped him up. Like that to me appealed to me. I was like, that's what I want to write. Like a guy who's doing that, a guy who's sort of willing to make any sacrifice, a guy who's who's willing to throw anybody under the bus to just obtain his own power at all times, you know? Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I love, I'm a stupid, I'm a sucker for a good HBO nine o'clock gangster thing, a boardwalk empire, Sopranos. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I love those, those prestige gangster series where, where a bunch of, where a bunch of men and women betray each other and kill each other and, and, and love each other. And that's what I want Penguin to be. How do you go about building your supporting cast for that Penguin series? Is it a lot of original characters? Or are you looping in? more people into this empire. So the, fir- the first arc of Penguin, um, 
or the first issue of him comes out next week and you'll find out he's sort of I don't know, not swear, but he's 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 been kicked out of Gotham in current continuity. His two children took over Gotham City, and then Catwoman came in and sort of took over another part of Gotham City. Um, so he's sort of retirement in Metropolis of all places. And then for, for reasons that are explained, he has to go back and take back the city, um, and that's a big challenge because he spent his whole life building up that empire, and he left it, and now he's getting pulled back in, and he had, and he's basically has nothing. So he's 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 from the bottom up building up his empire again, um, and so the first uh, arc of is him gathering his team that he gathers. So he he gathers his muscle, you know, sort of his. I, I always think like you know the, the biggest strongest characters always have like that one guy next to them who can kick the most ass who always stands beside them. So he has to get that guy. He has to get his goons. So I got, I, I got, you know, there, there's five new, not five bites, five very obscure characters and made them goons. He has to get his consigliere. And uh, that, that is a very, very obscure character that I took from the past, which I think people are going to love. Um, and he's got to get a spy who's on the inside. So that's, that's the first five issues or, or him gather, and I've, I've written all this. So it's all done, but it, it's him get sort of gathering that team. And they're all people who've appeared in comic books before. One of them I created, which is the help. I, I think I can say is going to be in this series. I hate stealing stuff from myself. I think when people get old, you sort of have your own continuity. And I think that's stupid. Um, so I only do one of those. All the rest are stolen from other people. I loved the help. So I'm excited for him to be in this. I do. I love the help too, man. He's Alfred, but he's evil and he kicks ass. Yeah, yeah he does. Oh, that rules. Also, five minor character goons. That sounds like the Enforcers, which is the greatest thing Marvel Comics ever created. A character named Fancy Dan, who knows judo. That's the greatest thing ever invented. Oh, what is it? I mean, obviously, all comic book fans, we love our minor little babies. But, like, what is it inside of you that looks at a kite man and is like, I'm going to make that the biggest guy in the world? Like, how do you find these guys? And then... I'm going to edit it out. So I'm not going to say who it was, but like, how do you take these goons and see the vision for them? I guess. What's your process with these minor guys? I mean, those were the comics I loved when I was a kid, the comics that took the absurdity seriously, like um, squadron Supreme is an excellent example um, of sort of, Oh, here's a parody of a bunch of justice leaguers that exist in the Marvel universe. And I'm going to, and Mark Ruan's like, well, that's now a metaphor for fascism. Um, and it's so that was always how I sort of I love that stuff. And, you know, uh, Frank Miller does it in Daredevil with Stiltman where he makes, you know, oh, what a dumb power it is to sort of. Grow. But then, like, I remember thinking Stiltman was so cool. He could grow and he could knock on a 57 story window and he was on stilts. Um, so th- that stuff. And uh, yeah, like that, I, I always I, I always loved those sort of when someone took something absurd and made it serious and cool. Um, Jeff Loeb's challenges of you know uh, squirrel girl is a perfect example ryan north was with squirrel girl like mm-hmm. that's an utter joke character that he took seriously and 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 through humor but also through like some very serious and deep themes ele- elevated her mm-hmm. um so i i, I think in, and that's what i love about comics is that I, I mean just like every human has a story every superhero has a story maybe except for like brother power the geek but besides that they're all good um and 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 they they can all be awesome. Yeah, there's 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 no one who's. I mean, 
look, even if you're talking to the most boring person in the world, who's like, oh my God, this is the most boring. That's a fucking interesting conversation. How did you get that title of most boring person in the world? That, that must be fucking fascinating. Did you go to a contest? Like, how did you, like, I want to hear that guy's story and say, oh, that, well, that's, what about the second most boring? Well, how did he just miss it? What did he do to slack off to not be the most boring person in the world? Like everyone has a story. Oh, oh my gosh. Tom, I think you left Marvel just a little too early. I would kill for your big wheel story. I would murder <laughs> for in. Big Wheel. I'm in. I would do Big Wheel. <laughs> big Wheel looking out a window at rain. Yeah. <laughs> That's how human targets start. I mean, that one joke. And, then, and somehow I went an icer. Who the fuck knows how the world works? <laughs> oh, it's perfect. So, and do you have more questions about Penguin or should we shift over to our other favorite minor characters on Danger Street? I think my one question for Penguin was going to be like, for someone like me who has like no interest in the character before, is like, you you tell me like Penguin book. I'm like, okay, you tell me Tom King in a Penguin book. I'm definitely piquing my interest though. But I think like, well, the I, last get it. I get it. Penguin's kind of a gross kind of character. Yeah, yeah. no, I, he's not like the guy you, yeah, no, I understand. That's why I'm like, is anyone going to read this book? I have no idea. <laughs> All I know is that I'm, I'm going to write it as damn good as we can. <laughs> I was going to say, if you had like one thing you could pitch to get the people who are on the fence to to jump that fence what would it be but honestly i think the last like 10 minutes have done a great job i'm i'm sold but if you can think of anything else i mean i think i've said everything i mean i I mean it just i mean i think the idea of like if you love the sopranos if you love that sort of nine o'clock hbo show this is that that this is that book this is this is not not a silly book it's not it's not the disgusting you know a penguin from Batman Returns, you know, you know, <laughs> uh, this this is this is a book about serious gangsters doing serious things. And okay. that, 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 that's that's where I go for. Yep, I'm I'm on my Ed Brubaker kick at the moment, so I'm here for it. Yes, and if you if you liked like I mean for the six of you that read Gotham City Year One, but if if you liked Human Target, that sort of noir feel, that sort of um, sexy, dangerous kind of field. I love writing that. It's like my favorite thing to write. And so that all, all that sort of sexy, dangerous noir stuff I now pour into Penguin. Because obviously it's, it's not really going into Wonder Woman very often. <laughs> that rules. As one of the six supporters at Gotham Year One, you killed it on that book. Just by the way, if you don't hear it off enough, you and Phil Hester killed it on that book. I there lo- were I so would, many... Look, I just I bought I bought this splash from Phil when I was in Connecticut. I just knocked over half the things in my room, but I just bought it. <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. I like Phil Hester a lot, and I think that was Phil Hester's career high at this point. Like I, I was consistently it. blown away. The thing is falling on my desk, guys. You guys ruined everything. So much work. <laughs> Dallas, how could you? Dallas, what did you do? Oh. I used I used my mind powers. I just, I guess my last question about Penguin, if we're talking about gangsters, right? I feel like you have the Martin Scorsese route where it's, you've always wanted to be a gangster. And then by the end of the movie, you're kind of like, man, these guys shouldn't have been gangsters. Like this really (laughs) ruined their life. And then you've got the Francis Ford Coppola route where you're like, I think the only good men in America were gangsters actually a little (laughs) bit. (laughs) And so which Penguin are we? Am I at the end of this going to be like, I wish I was a Penguin or... I really shouldn't have been a penguin this whole time. I lo- well, let me slightly disagree with you filmographically. Like, if you were at, God- at the end of Godfather 2, uh, uh, 
he's not a nice person. You know, he's his 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 he's lost his wife, he's lost his family, he's lost his kids. Um, he's he's absolutely miserable um, by the end of Godfather Two. So yes, in, in Godfather One, they, they they are seen heroic, but there is sort of that counterbalance in it. I I I've, I've always said that you know yeah yeah when when I was a kid, my mother explained to me that like you know. Um, Godfather's what like the gangsters you want to be in Goodfellas, what the gangsters really are. But I feel like watching it again, that there is some there is some negativity in those two movies. That is fair in Godfather too. I do, I do have to stick with my guns on Godfather one. I watch that and I'm like, I think I gotta join the mob. I don't know. You're telling me it's all spaghetti dinners and being a class act? I gotta go. Wait, Sonny's a bad guy. He like beats women, cheats on his wife. They make him. He would have been the Godfather. Then get killed. He's an idiot. (laughs) It feels like that. It's like, what about the murders? What murders? Come on. (laughs) He's the best Um, guy around. No, I mean, I, I, I do, I do believe that one of the questions of Penguin will be, does he have a soul? Like, because I mean, I, I think in, um. Godfather is a lot about about Michael sort of losing his soul as he goes along, and the the, the, the question of of Penguin is: Does he have a soul to lose? Is is there anything redeemable about this character that he can sort of hold on to as he does all these terrible things? Um, but it is, I, I um I, I see Wonder Woman and them as as sort of reflective books in terms of like, I don't know, somehow they're they're um. Uh, they're both about sort of an ideal masculinity, you know, that, 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 that penguin is missing out on because he is kind of a short fat guy. Um, uh, and, and, and getting at that, him sort of rebelling against that. I, I think there is something, you know, redeemable about him, something rebellious about him that, that that's somewhat similar to wonder woman. They're sort of sort of fighting a system that wants, you know, wants them to be and look a certain way. I, makes any sense. I'm going to blame you every time I read a Wonder Woman comic for the next 10 years. And I'm like, I wonder what Penguin's up to. I wonder what that little guy is doing right now. <laughs> He's probably doing very terrible. Her He's cosmic beating, counterpart. Beating an innocent person to death with an umbrella would be my guess. Do you uh, think Diana has ever once thought about Oswald Cobblepot in the history of the DC universe? No, no, I don't think Diana has given him a single thought or care, which is which is what makes Penguin cool that he's yeah. underestimated, that you don't see him coming, that he's just he's the guy, he's the fat one with the umbrella, and yet he's running all of crime in the worst city of America. Yes, so I, I think it's both to his credit and hers that she doesn't think about him. This rules. And she, this she's is got the enough Comic Con short guys trying to ruin her life, so she she yes. doesn't have space for another. That's very true. <laughs> True. He is only the second worst short guy in the DC universe. That other one is gives me the willies. So. Kind of a psycho if you think about it. Yes. <laughs> so oh, her enemies are are terrible people. Just haven't written them recently. Oh my god! One after another. They're they're very cool, but they're horrible. Mm-hmm. All of them. Every single time Doctor Psycho does anything, I'm like, I wish you wouldn't. Like, there's a line in Gail's Wonder Woman where he says, like, I'd recognize those thighs anywhere. And I was like, I'm going to lock you in a small room, Dr. Psycho. Oh, I just read his origin story, like the first, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, H. the Peter story. And he's terrible from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, I he, he invented something and then his wife cheated on him. So he decided to kill her. It's He's awful. He's an awful, awful, awful person. Yep. Even from from day one, he's been awful and terrible. So yeah, there's a there's a lot to mind with with this this uh, uh, little cruel man. 
Oh boy. Um, so Danger Street, we're coming Danger into the final quarter of this book. How has juggling this massive cast over these 12 issues been for you? It, I feel like it's all coming together really well, but I do not envy you the task of spinning all those plates at once. It was hard. It was super hard. Um, yeah, it, it was one of the, the, the most difficult things I've done in comic. Probably not as difficult as writing Wonder Woman, um, and just in terms of balancing all the things. But I, I generally write single character books, Penguin, Wonder Woman. Um, I do experimental stuff in them in terms of like narratives and stuff, but usually they're centered around one person's experience. Usually they're sad. Uh, th- this was 23 to 24 characters, um, depending on how you count, all of whom had different perspective, all of whom weren't involved in the same story, but were involved in tangential stories and were constantly moving around from different coasts. They didn't even all live in the same city. They're not all on the, on the same team. They all have different relationships with each other. With different, And so, yeah, it was... It was a very big and hard balancing act. Thank God Jorge Fornes, who's drawing it, is the best in the business and knows exactly how to sort of bring out all the humanity and all the differences in each, in each of them. Um, but yeah, it was. I took a big pause. You know, I, wrote, I wrote the first 10 all at once. And then I was like, okay, I have to wrap this up. And I like had a list of like, okay, here's all the plot points that have to tie together by the end. And I took a big gap, like six months before I hit uh, 11 and 12 just like I was, I was like afraid to touch it i was afraid to get at it and, and it went out then i then and that also let me go back and read the first 10 as if i was not me you know a different person reading it and sort of see where all the threads were going and then tie them together so i think that either it helped or hurt i guess we'll find out but yeah it, it, it was tough there's a lot there's so many of them and i was like okay this character's here this character's here how come these characters haven't balanced off each other um just just to get it all just to get it all in but it i think it works i think we did it Jorge read the ending recently because they, he's just, they just give him one issue at a time. And he's like, Tom, you, were, you, you, you did it. It, it works. It, it, all, it all comes together. So I, I think it'll be good. Um, I hope it'll be good. It reminds me a lot of Seven Soldiers that Morrison did, <laughs> where it's stuff that seems not that connected, and then by the end, all very connected. I don't know if that's an actual influence or something that you thought about at all, but as a reader, it felt very much like that. It feels very much like that. I mean, I've read Seven Soldiers and I, and I know it and, and I remember being so confused by it because, you know, you, you, you've, I think I read it in trade and you buy the trade and there's a whole introduction being like, you could read this in six different orders. You know, you can either do this or this or this or this or this and we've randomly put it in this order. I was like, what is this book that you can t-? Um, uh, So I don't think it's quite as, oh, as, as maybe as narratively um, risky as Grant was doing with, with that stuff. Um, but no, I, I, I stole the basic idea of it from a Fargo, both the TV show and the movie, the idea that there's sort of uh, different plot lines that all revolve around the same crime. And it's just, they're all kind of like stars that are crashing into each other. And at the end, all the plot lines turn out to be one plot line. It, it, it was stolen fairly directly from Fargo. That I works. mean, uh, inspired by, not stolen. Sorry. It's okay. I, I recently had someone point out that all Shane Black's movies are just like old pulp novels that he's made <laughs> into very charming movies. I was like, huh, look at that. <laughs> Cool, I, st- cool. I, st- I steal from old movies constantly. constantly. I mean, obviously, Supergirl is so based on true grit. Mm-hmm. Um, so. One of the best books ever written. It's a good one to steal yeah. from. Right? That's what I'm saying. If you had to steal from a book, why not that one? So good. If it works, it works. Um, but yeah, but I, the thing to say about uh, Danger Street is the issue coming up, which I think is next week or the week after, is issue nine. And that's uh, our bottle issue. That's where we... 
every issue has been basically the same kind of format, at least to, to help to help organization. We, you know, we start off with the narrator, it ends with a nine panel grid. Uh, you, you see a, you see all 23 characters and, and their sort of status is changing. Issue nine, we throw all of that format away for one issue. And it's just a battle between uh, Codename Assassin and Manhunter for the entire issue. It's done in a, in a, in a very special format, this eight panel grid. Um, where one of them occupies one half of the grid, one occupies the other half of the grid, and uh, and it, it, to me, it's one of the best things I've ever written. It's a little bit like the the sword fight in Princess Bride, but taking to like a, an extreme. And uh, yeah, I, if, if yeah, I, 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 every once in a while, I read an issue where I wrote, and I was like, wow, I'm super proud of that. And this is one of them, issue nine of Danger Street. It's 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 crazy and kooky and, and cool, and it's, it's weird. I, I like writing things that are weird every once in a while because I write a lot of mainstream stuff. So this is a weird one. That's that's my cue to catch up because I I admittedly I've been letting it stack up a little bit. So I'm like I'm gonna binge this all and enjoy it in one big sitting. But my wife lets it stack up, so I I, I begrudge no person for not doing that. Awesome, perfect. I'm I'm very very excited. the The first issue had me hooked, and I just I just I had I had to set it aside. I'm like, nope, this is one I'm going to wait because I can tell I'm gonna want to take this all in one bite. So. No, I, I, for people who are trade waiting on Danger Street, it makes perfect sense to me. I would have probably trade waited too. Uh, but if you're doing going issue by issue, it's also it's also super awesome. But yeah, this this is when this thing comes together and you see all 24 characters and their and their journeys and how they all tie up. For the for the final issue 12, I wrote Jorge. I was like, can you do me a favor? I was like, I don't ask a lot. Can you put all the characters on the cover of Top 12 just so we can see them all in one place at once? And I was, I was, I was like, I really apologize. I know that's a pain in the ass. But I think it'd be so awesome just so we can brag that we did this. And he's like, okay. So so you'll you'll see every single character on the cover and just how 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 many plot lines and how many stories and how they all sort of added up to something hopefully profound. Hopefully. That rules. I I think one of my favorite parts about Danger Street has been watching your collaboration with Jorge Fornes become even more impressive. Like I the first time I ever interacted with Jorge Fornes' art was on the Batman annual you did with them and then i saw him a little bit on daredevil it's probably my favorite issue of that run and then fornes goes to do daredevil for a minute you pull him back to do rorschach which i think is your most underrated book and now danger street i think a lot of people when they think of your work they think of your collaboration with mitch garrods what do you think are special about your collaborations with jorge fornes as you continue to come back and work with him i mean i Jorge is so it's I don't know I, I can't I can't speak highly enough of him I, I do think Rorschach is is definitely my most underrated although it's very pop I, I sound like a band that like we're big in Hungary but uh, for some reason Rorschach is hugely popular in Spanish whoever translated it did a fantastic job uh, it, it, it it's 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 very very big in um, Spain where Jorge's from and um and, and in Mexico uh but but, but to me that yes it's very underrated one thing special about Jorge is- <laughs> Yes, say hi. It's my puppy dog. Is, I, I wouldn't say I discovered him because you don't discover someone that good. But I, I mean, he literally started out like tweeting at me, being like, "Hey, dude, this is what I do." When he was still, you know, um, a, a car repair man, you know, he's like, in my spare time, I I, I draw comics, um, and and he would draw these beautiful Batman scapes. And I was on Batman at the time. I was like, "Why aren't we hiring this guy?" It's a random dude's tweeting at me. Is he real? Is that a real thing? And so I was, I was the first person who sort of pointed him out to dc and, and got him his first you know first gigs of you know doing some batman stuff and, and then he immediately was like backing up lee weeks on stuff and then so with, with mitch mitch was already a, 
an established artist, but Jorge, I kind of helped pull in and I really fought for him at DC because when he first came in, uh, powers that have since left the company were like, oh, he's just a Mazza Kelly clone. I was like, why do we, I want a Mazza Kelly clone, please. <laughs> of all the clones. Of all the clones, you know. This, this guy's talented. We don't, what What are we doing? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm barely an Alan Moore clone. I, why are we yell? I'm going to yell at clones? Uh, uh and then he's evolved even even farther into his own style since then. Um, and, and and I mean, the, the poor, wonderful thing about Jorge is that I've thrown him these very, obs- I mean, yes, Rorschach's not an obscure character, but, but we, you know, we didn't work with any actual Watchmen characters in that book. It was a completely different cast of characters. Uh, and then, again, a very obscure characters. And he's just, he nails it every single time. It's, it's simple, clear, beautiful, perfect storytelling. That, that, that's what he gives you. When you read a Jorge book, you know every emotion that every character is thinking. You don't even need my words. It's on their face, and it's clear, and it's perfect, and it's beautiful. And I, 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 I can't speak. Every time I get pages back from him, I'm just awed. And, and, um, and he's fast, and he's like clockwork, and he's, a, he's an absolute joy to work and a very kind and nice man on top of all that it's always so formally beautiful like i one of the things i praise about rorschach a lot is that a major part of watchmen is just that it is a comic book like i know we adapted it into that movie that was just exactly the comic book again but like it takes the form of comic books very seriously as a storytelling element and you can see jorge doing that as well in rorschach you can see like the layouts of this book are important to how the story is told and he just so much more than a Mazza Kelly clone, but then also, what a person to clone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and he is willing to do super experimental stuff for a guy who's very much inside the panels and is in, and sort of like Mazza Kelly, a very clean storyteller. You know, there, there's a, you know an issue of Rorschach where you can read either, you know, you can read up or down or sideways, and, it's, and it, it takes place in three different timelines at the same time, at the same time, but not order. And, 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 and he added a ton of experimental stuff and he does stuff with time and comics in, in Rorschach where like, you know, a person is moving through panels in a sort of, a, in sort of a weird way. And, and one of the things in Rorschach is we, we know, no, we didn't want nine panel. I love nine panel grids, but that's like, it was so cliche for Watchmen at that point. And Watchmen is one thing. It's not as cliche. So we threw out the cliches. And so he had to do all of that in sort of a different kind of grid than what, um, sort of traditional Watchmen tributes were it, and he just nailed it all, yeah. So he, he could be clean and he could be experimental. Like you, you'll see in, in issue nine, I was just talking about, again, all on eight panel grid, it's sort of the Carl Barks grid, if you've ever read Uncle Scrooge's comics. Um, and that's very hard way to tell a story because you can never do threes, it's all twos and your, your brains generally don't work in twos. Uh, and, and, and he does it absolutely brilliantly. Just just look look at that issue and how utterly experimental it is in its own sort of clean way. I love the pull of Uncle Scrooge comics. Those rule, by the way. <laughs> the, yeah, those I've always had comics. I have. I mean, it's very bizarre. It's so funny when you look back and you realize that the people were using not tricks, but like that was their style. You know, when you look at New Frontier and you realize it's all on a three-panel grid, which we sold for Strange Adventures. Um, or you look, you look at Carl Barks and like, wait, he's on an eight-panel grid every single thing. Or you look at Archie comics; they're on a six-panel grid. Like, uh, it's, it's interesting that the sort of the when you're a kid, you don't notice any of that stuff. You don't notice. That, that much made Carl Barks's life so much easier. Every day he wakes up, he's like, oh, just eight panels. Okay, I don't have to think about that. Yeah. Um, so so I, always, I always call that sort of the Carl Barks grid. I just had that figuring out that all of Erica Henderson's work in Scroll Girl was six panel grids. Because like, these are the <laughs> yeah. craziest panel books ever. I was like, how many panels are they doing here? And I was like, it's always six. It looks, you look at the page and you're like, that's got to be like 12. And you count it every single time <laughs> at six. I was like, how does she do that? 
<laughs> I, I, I've since converted, you know, working on uh, Love Everlasting converted me to this different sort of way of working where in, in old romance comics, it was always splash page and then five to six panels and for seven pages, then eight, the eighth page would be a splash. And it was consistent for 30 years. They used that style. And I, and for, so for Love Everlasting, I started writing that way. And ever since then, probably to, to annoy my artists, that's, that's how I've been writing. It's going to be eight pages, splash and, you know, five, five to six panel pages. Um, I, I, I've just the, the the romance comics of the '60s and '70s changed how I write. I, they're fantastic. They they're what made Spider Man great. Spider Man was cool, and then a romance artist came in and made it great. Oh, dude, a hundred percent, man! Mm-hmm. Spider Man is a, a a romance comic with superheroes, not the other way around. Especially yeah. after Dicko leaves. But even before, before Dicko, there's a lot of soap opera with Betty Brant and all that stuff. I mean, Stanley wrote more romance comics than he wrote superhero comics. He wrote, you know, 300 issues of, Mo- of Millie the Model. Never forget. That rules. And it's a good transition to Love Everlasting, which, by the way, <laughs> oh by the way, Volume 2 was crazy. How many books? You're like, we have to go have dinner. <laughs> Tom's going on. No, I'm having a great time. Um... Love Everlasting is crazy, and Volume Two is insane. What? How was the switch off of Substack for that book? And just how how are things going with Love Everlasting? Terribly. Nobody reads that book. I love it, but it's it's, it's, un, it's an unread book. Don't worry, we're 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 doing fine because we got the Substack money. But yeah, it's uh, um, it's hard to sell an independent book that's about a uh, that's so bizarre and. Uh, it, it, it's fine. It's it's, do, it's doing perfectly well. I I am so incredibly proud of the product and what it is and what it's going to be. Um, but yeah, the sales are terrible. My God, that's disheartening because it's so good. It is such a good product. I and... absolutely love it. I could not. I couldn't. It's it's weird and it's it's something and and um and it's 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 not it's not something people would expect from me. It's not sad and depressed. I mean, it is sad mm-hmm. and depressing, but it's it, the, the narrative is so different than what you might find in a Supergirl or in a penguin. It's this, it's this totally different way of writing, which is so much fun. And I mean, your collaborator on that is crazy. Elsa Chartier. That, that was the really? first artist really? I had found. Oh, yeah. Like no one else was talking about when I found her. And it's I, not at all the same thing as anything else is going, but I remember being like, this is a special talent and it's been fun to see that be recognized. And see just the amazing work that she puts in on this book. I, I cannot talk higher about what Elsa does, and not not only just behind the scenes, she's like the leader of this comic book. She's the number one cheerleader for it. She's the organizer of it. Um, she's president and CEO of the company. Uh, she, she's utterly brilliant in, in in sort of leading this to where it is. Like she she does every credit. If it's good, it's because Elsa makes it good. Honestly, that 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 book is. And then and then just to get started on, on her art and how she sort of. She draws, you know, this ideal Diaron Cook thing, but sort of de- deconstructs it at the same time. Mm-hmm. But sort of, you know, she puts irony into her art. How do you put irony into a line? I have no idea, but she finds a way to do it. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, it, it makes my life easy to work with someone as brilliant as Elsa. I she has to be one of the most undersung artists in comics right now. Is she is unbelievable that the i'm i'm only up i'm only caught up to the first volume but like the way all of that comes together at the end you finally get like the big picture of like what's happening and it's horrifying but also so intriguing at the same time and it just it's it, it's incredible it's <laughs> people need to be like hey if you're listening right now and you're not reading love everlasting i'm i'm begging you i'm pleading with you 
that is the book you need to pick up the next time you go to your comic shop. Tell them you want volume one and volume two because you're going to read both of them. It's insane. Yeah, I, 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 I can't recommend it enough. It's I think a lot of people look at it, oh, it's a love story. It's not a love story. It's about love stories. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's about how the, the sort of the, the, the power of love can both uh, create and destroy and uh, and it's it's and it's a mystery it's about storytelling and about how why we write love stories and what that does to us to have love stories and um and yeah it's 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 beautiful and it's brutal at the same time especially that this the second arc i'm super it's super crazy and i'm super proud of it. the second arc the last issue of the second arc is the first time i have actually dropped my jaw to anything in years <laughs> <laughs> like what, what, i, what, I what made you drop your jaw? I need to know. When I caught, when I got the big classic. Okay, so Anne's off. When she got reset <laughs> again after, after I was in that whole arc that I just kept being like, why isn't she resetting? What's going on? Like, what's happening? And then when she does reset in the middle of that <laughs> issue, and we're just back to normal, and I was like, this bastard. I was like, what was did he horrible. just do? It. I think that was the most I felt like Joan in any of those books. Up to that, it had been an experiment and interesting and fun. Like every time she'd reset, I'm like, what an interesting premise to a book. And that one put me on my ass. And I was like, that is the end of an arc. And I have to wait a while for the next one. And this is unkind, unkind what's going on here. I know it's not a love book on some level. It's a horror book. What's happening to Joan. And, and it, and it's a, it's a revenge story. It's, you know, it's, it's her at the beginning before she gets her rifle and sort of stalks off and starts killing people. Yeah. It's, it's that. I, I like this book a lot. My wife, no interest in comic books whatsoever. She's read my boyfriend is a bear and that's the only one she'll ever read. <laughs> I've read my boyfriend is a bear. That's a very bizarre comic book as well. It, it is a bizarre comic and it's good. And I keep telling her, it's like good... love everlasting will be your thing. She's like, I've told you not interested in comics, but she, I just tell her the plot to that one. I tell her what's going on. I'll like show her pages every once in a while. So she's a huge surrogate fan of this book. She was like, is there a new issue of that love one? I'm like, you could read it too. She's like, no, no. But what's going on in it? It's like, this is a weird Wait, line you got here, but okay. That's that's the thing about Love Everlasting is like, I know there is a, a, a good audience for us. Because like my daughter who could care less about Danger Street or Penguin sees love art sees elsa's art sees this and she is into it like she is super into and she's a, she's 13 so she's old enough to sort of read it that um and uh and i, I get a lot of pe- people who just are gravitated to elsa's art and sort of the ideal romance and but then people who like my daughter appreciate the ideal romance but are cynical enough to want to hate the ideal romance like both of those things happen in the book so i i do believe that there is a huge audience for this book i i'm just i haven't found them yet i will find them god i will find them one day we got to figure out how to put it in front of the Barbie people. Like everyone who watched Barbie and was like, this rules. And also it's got some important things to say about what is wrong with the world. Be like, boy, do I have a weird little horror romance book for you? I, I, oh, I mean, we, we've done well with it in Hollywood so far. Um, but I, when I, yeah, I mean, when I saw Barbie, I was like, oh man, this is going to make pitching Love Everlasting in Hollywood so much easier. It's like, <laughs> gosh. I was like, like oh, have you ever wondered? If we but I'm sure every single team. person in Hollywood is pitching. It's like when Game of Thrones was big, every single pitch was, it's Game of Thrones, but with Muppets. You know, like that was like every single pitch. So now I'm sure every pitch in Hollywood is going to be like, it's Barbie, but with love, with romance. So I got to find a way to make it slightly more original. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 I did feel that the awesome vibe from Barbie was 
could be translated into an awesome vibe for Love of the Last. Gosh. Why did we never get that Game of Thrones with Muppets movie? That's insane. <laughs> I know. What the, yeah. it's, it's the strike. Once the strike is out, once the strike is, once those goddamn studios concede what they need to concede, we'll be fine. Right. I think also Dallas, I need you to make, I need you to stop making me read so many books for this podcast so I can actually finish some books. <laughs> I would appreciate that. Read good books. Listen, you're you, always okay, reading look, cheeseburger superhero yeah. stuff. And I'm telling you, there are good books going on. And then you're always like, what? Oh, hey, excuse you. If no I one else. I love cheeseburger superhero. Yeah. I'm into it. If I don't read Aquaman 2003 for the 16th time, who's going to do it? No <laughs> one. That's who. Sub Diego is see, great. I stand by. If I see that silver and pur- purple Aquaman suit. Sub Diego. Oh my God. Time, that brings me back. <laughs> Hey, Every it's... time, like you should read this. You're like, B- believe it or not, we're back with silver and purple Aquaman again. It's, where are you getting purple from? That 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 stealth suit is completely blue and white. It's crazy! You call yourself an Aquaman fan? Insane! I don't. I don't. <laughs> Nobody calls himself an Aquaman fan. That's not a thing. It's me. It's just <laughs> me. <laughs> Oh, I mean, Aquaman's awesome. That's great. That's my that's my next book. Oh, okay. Aquaman. Thanks. Yeah, do. You heard it here yeah. first. <laughs> that's that who that's... Penguin. That's Penguin has his goons. Is Aquaman? They're just different versions of Aquaman. That was the um the first book I saw um Daniel um on when he did Future State Aquaman, and he was oh he was, yeah, I forgot about. That. He was really nice. He sent me signed copies because I talked about that book a lot. That was oh, he's a sweetheart. He's a man. Jesus is such a nice guy. He's so fun to work with. He's just so positive <laughs> and has a great idea too. Listen, all four of the goons for Penguin are Andy Curry, the baby, just four times. Just snapping her little baby fingers, Perfect. doing crimes. <laughs> hey, that baby could take on Superman, so she's fine. <laughs> she makes a great goon. She does make some morally dubious decisions, though. That that baby would clear out Gotham faster than Batman ever could. Okay? Holy all shit. Right. For the record, there are no evil babies in Penguin. Yes. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> That's yes. the second arc. If you all start reading arc. Penguin like hotcakes, there will be evil babies. But yes, Love Everlasting is wonderful. The first trade is out. Pick it up. You can start. It's mm-hmm. cold. It's wonderful. It's a good time. It is a wonderful time. Tom, is there anything else that you want to talk about or point people towards before we let you go and have your evening? I've said a thousand things. If you want to ignore all of them and think of just one thing, pre-order wonder woman number one it's it i'm trying to launch wonder woman big i want to tell dc that this is an important book that she deserves movies that she deserves tv shows that she is part of our culture the way she's always been for 80 years and she's at the center of the dc universe and the way i can get people to realize that is for people to pre-order number one wonder woman one so call your store there are um beautiful covers the art germ cover i think is going to sell out so if you want to be like you want a reason to call your store ask the art germ cover it's gorgeous um but just wonder just call your store and ask for number wonder woman number one you can ignore everything else i said and just focus on that one thing say i want to pre-order wonder woman number one before the end of august that's when the last you can do that get get the first copy before it sells out perfect and i just want to reiterate ignore all that order penguin i need a hundred issues of penguin Listen, listen, I don't, you... I can't ruin everything. Wonder Woman, number one. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you, ignore him. Penguin, we're talking about 70s crime in Gotham City. There's a little man. He's a little bit fat, too. We love him. 
Penguin's an awesome book. I have number one right here. I just read it. It's, it's very cool. But again, Wonder Woman number one pre-order. That's the one thought I wanted to put out. Wonder Woman yeah. number one. Yeah. Hey, I'm on I'm on Tom King's side, honestly. You know, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Sorry, Wonder Dallas. Woman. That's the way. That's the way. Two two okay. against one. What am I going to say? Two against one. It's fun. All right. You well, have, it's thir- you guys have read it. It's thirty pages. It, it's it's like an honest like chapter of a book. It's a good chunk of sort. Oh my gosh! Yes. It is, and, she- and it's like a throw up your hands comic. Like there are good <laughs> comics, and then I read that, and it just felt like such a revelation of like finally, I love Wonder Woman, and I was like finally a Wonder Woman comic that like feels like is it, it's as excited to be a Wonder Woman comic as I am to read a Wonder Woman comic. Oh, what right a, now. Did you like, put that on the cover of the goddamn issue. That's perfect. And that's I perfect. just that's what it needs to be. It needs to be a Wonder Woman comic that's as smart and as cool as her fans. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Hell yeah. It and it just, it felt like it had a vision. It felt like it had a momentum. It, it felt like it was taking itself seriously. You know, I feel like I've read a lot of Wonder Woman comics that are like, Hey, we're going to write stories that we're proud of and that we like, but we understand that we are a C tier book in people's minds, you know? And like this book is shooting for the stars. Like it, it is written and it talks about itself and it takes itself seriously enough to be like, this is the premier comic book on shelves right now. And I just mm-hmm. loved it. I, I have written the, the DC's number one book, Batman. I wrote it for five years and I, I'm taking this as seriously, if not more than I did mm-hmm. when I did that book. So I know what that's like and I know how to oh, yeah. that's what we're going for. I think for everyone listening, if I had like my pitch for this book, just like if you've been like me and you've been watching the news a lot lately, not out of like curiosity, but out of just pure fear for everything that's changing and how it's going to affect you. And if you want a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel, there's probably going to be no better book for you than this one because there is no one I'd rather have punched my problems in the face than Wonder Woman. Oh, put that on the cover too. That's going to be a crowded cover, but I want it all. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. You, Thanks you, you all rock. You're the best. Right back at you. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. And listeners, thank you for sticking with us. We hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you next week. Bye. 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 Thank you so much.